So this is today. Today is yesterday and tomorrow is also today. You traveled through time to the present. Yes. Yeah, I don't think you get how time travel works. It's like we're stuck. You know, like a, like a needle on a scratch record. I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. It's a thing where the same day keeps happening. Time. in a damn time loop or something well it's groundhog day again and that must mean that i'm professor robert e.g black and i'm here with Derek mcduff from underrated here to discuss groundhog day again <laughs> still always welcome thank you for having me man I'm, ex- I'm excited i love when i do my notes for this show because i don't do a lot of descriptive stuff of what's going on the screen because i've mm-hmm. seen this so many times it's just like <laughs> what do i need to note here that's it other ones it'll be like a detailed breakdown of here's everything that happens in the minute mm. this one's just notes it's, in the it, side column it's seared in the memory yeah that yes. makes sense now what's your experience with groundhog day as a film so this is actually one of my mom's favorite films interestingly mm. enough so i had watched it a lot growing up and it's one of the movies that she would watch quite a bit that i really connected to more than anything else that she was a really big fan of So, you know, it was always a part of my childhood. It came out when I was pretty young. And then I've watched it pretty consistently every Groundhog Day. So I do know this one fairly well. Like I said before, not nearly as well as you. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a movie that I, I like quite a bit. And it was maybe the thing I knew Bill Murray from the most, Hmm. at least at a young age. Yeah, depending on people's ages, it'd be like Ghostbusters or this. Hmm. And then... A decade later, it'd probably be some drama. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or more dramatic, at least. Yeah, Lost in Translation or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Rushmore. And the Indies. Anything Wes Anderson, really. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in most of them. I think he's been in every single part. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's had at least a cameo in every single one. Good for him. Yeah. And we are in minute 29, which means we are on the third Groundhog Day. And we are at the diner. I will only note one extra in this scene because we'll get a better glance at who's in this scene later because they filmed all the diner scenes together. So the extras are consistent. I had to note, and I really need to reach out and get him as a guest because it would be hilarious. The annoying dancing extra is waiting for a table. <laughs> it's a guy I got really annoyed with watching the movie a lot because at the banquet at the end of the movie, him and his date, actually, I think they're both in line here some reason, he always bugged me more. <laughs> Keep going between the camera and Phil and Rita. Like their extras were just trying to be on camera. They were probably told to do that to make it look more like a crowded dance floor. But yeah, it's like, stop getting in the way. <laughs> You're not the subject of this film. And then, of course, he's on the IMDb as an unlisted extra. Of course. Because <laughs> he's probably went for an acting career. Maybe he even became an actor. I need to check. Phil has just gotten the joke that doesn't happen much in the movie. It happened a lot in the original script, the Phil, like the Groundhog Phil line. And they say, look out for your shadow there, pal, as this minute begins. I kind of like his response. He's always a bit rude and sarcastic, but this <laughs> one works. Just morons, your bus is leaving. <laughs> it's a wonderful Bill Murray kind of line. 
Murray has this dry wit where he just says things that are like subtly hilarious. Like it's like it's not like laugh out loud funny, but you're like, wow, that's that's really like a lot of stuff like that. Like that's been his whole career. His whole kind of shtick has always been like just saying the subtlest, funniest thing. Yeah. And he says this in a way where you can imagine like there is a bus waiting. Like it's (laughs) not immediately clear. It's an insult. And they're like, wait a sec. He called them morons. (laughs) It reads well. And we cut to Larry arriving. He says, you guys ready? We better get going if we're going to stay ahead of the weather. So line we'll hear a few more times later. Mm-hmm. And Rita, I talked about this last episode, I believe. We talked about the TV trope of a conversation cut where the conversation will be going and then we'll switch to a different scene, but the conversation continues as if it's the next line. And in my notes here, I'm like, Rita's clearly a fan of that because she already sat and ate a sticky bun and drank a coffee before asking Phil what was going on. <laughs> now she's suggesting they continue the conversation back in Pittsburgh when it's going to take them an hour and a half at least to get there. Yeah. Like they're just going to sit in the van awkwardly, I guess. Just kind of like, you know, just listen to the radio. We won't <laughs> talk about it. Pittsburgh is where the conversation needs to be had. Yeah. They need to have this conversation. Your talent is having a problem, producer. You need to solve it. Mm. <laughs> Otherwise, you get back to Pittsburgh. They're going to blame her. Yeah. Yeah. It's her job. Larry's just listening along, perplexed by all this. And Phil says, I'm not going back to Pittsburgh. Why not? Because of the blizzard. I thought you said that was going to hit Altoona. Yeah, I know that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and you could tell he just, this is like one of the first times he's like, yeah, this thing that I was wrong about, which is, you know, for him now three days ago, which will be for him years ago. Yeah. That he's just like, Every day he has to explain, okay, I got that wrong. Uh-huh. Just like it just becomes over and over. That's his well, life. It's just... Well, it's, it's one of the great setups for this movie is mm-hmm. his job as a weatherman, which ended up sort of a coincidence. It was literally that Groundhog Day was the next holiday on the calendar when Ruben opened up his calendar. Huh. And then he's like, oh, and people go to Punxsutawney for that. So we'll set it there. There you go. And who goes there? Newscasters. But a weatherman's job is to predict the future. And Phil failed. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. And, and real fast, just talking about that, I think, I don't, I guess, you know, it's a coincidence, but a very happy coincidence of him setting this on Groundhog Day. Because mm-hmm. I think if you ask people, what are the movies that people go back to regularly? It's always something where there's like a specific time or a specific yep. day. And, you know, this being like I said earlier, I go back to this every Groundhog Day or you have something like Friday the 13th. You watch that when that rolls around uh-huh. Christmas movies. You know, that's a whole Halloween genre movie, of films yeah. to be revisited at once a year. So if you can find a weird, unique reason for someone to come back to your movie, aside from this also being just eminently rewatchable, that calendar date that is affixed to it makes this even more rewatchable. Well, just that it has a specific day means the TBS marathon every year. Mm -hmm. They show it for 24 hours. People are going to watch it every year. Even if they see only a few scenes of it, they saw it and they remember, oh yeah, that's on today (laughs) when they're bored on February 2nd. And honestly, I am always like, there's always a part of me that's a little surprised slash disappointed when I wake up on February 3rd and I'm always kind of have to check. I'm like, <laughs> is this what was going on yesterday? Is this a different day? Okay. Weirdly, I don't think I ever had that problem when I was watching this every day. I was just like, nah, it's just another day. It's going to be the same thing. I probably got work. <laughs> I got to write. Yeah. So you really made yourself, that's so, so meta how, yeah, this is the same thing every day and you just. You know, you've probably talked about a lot, but in the pandemic, so many people gravitated so much towards these time loop movies Mm -hmm. because everyone felt like they were living their own Groundhog Day. I think that's part of the big reason why Palm Springs, which came out that time period, was such a runaway hit, which I I absolutely love that movie. It's one of my favorite time loop movies other than this. 
so I think that, and then you just kind of put yourself in that situation. So uh-huh. <laughs> I even went to Woodstock where they filmed it to like experience that place and met Danny Rubin. And uh, I always forget his name, but the location manager, I should remember his name. He was so nice. I'm sorry. I'll insert it in the edit right here. Yeah. His name was Bob Hudgens. He currently is the location manager on a lot of Chicago based TV shows, Chicago fire, Chicago PD, those things. And it's been the manager on lots of stuff. And as I already said in the actual recording for this episode, he was so nice. Like, letting me answer a question from the crowd when he didn't know. Having a conversation with me as we walked from location to location about stuff. Because I could ask more detailed questions than probably the crowd even wanted to know. Gave me his business card. It was awesome. Oh, wow, that's great. I I just (laughs) learned his name. He works out of Chicago. He's the reason they picked this town. They were looking at a lot of different towns. They wanted something with a town square. And he was not the location manager, but he worked with the location manager on planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay. And part of that movie was filmed in the square at Woodstock. And he remembered, oh, this town right over here on the map has this. That's one of the things you don't think about too much when it comes to movies. There's obviously so many people. And I did a project not too long ago for Watch Mojo about like the top 10 places that you can actually visit for movies. And there's actually Mm. one pretty close to me that's tragically kind of shutting down that they shot that thing you do in or one of my favorite stories from a location scout is the location scout for Top Gun was just kind of like looking around San Diego all day. And he's like, all right, let me just go get a beer at this like local <laughs> barbecue place. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. This would actually be pretty good. Be good. Yeah. Speaking of that thing you do, they filmed in the Ambassador Auditorium where I went to church every week as a kid. Huh. So Very cool. Pasadena. But back to Phil, as Rita tells him, Phil, I think you need help. That's what I've been saying, Rita. I need help. <laughs> and we cut to the interior of a doctor's office. This is a cover set. It's just two walls and the whatever. I don't think they can actually see the bed, but I believe they had a bed so they could frame the shot right as Phil is sitting on it. And Harold Ramis in the cameo, specifically because they basically had this scene set up so they could film it whenever it rained. Okay. They had a couple little sets they could use. That makes sense. And this was one of them. And so with Harold Ramis is going to be there anyway. So he played this part. When I was watching the minute, I was like, oh, cool. I get the Harold Ramis, man. I get the, the mm-hmm. cameo minute. That's really awesome. Yeah. It widens from a shot of x-ray of a skull to the neurologist played by Harold Ramis looking at them. And I kept looking up to see whether or not you can see all these things on an x-ray. And it was hard to figure out because he's like, no spots, no clots, no tumors, no lesions, no aneurysms. And I'm like, I don't know if you can see all those things on an x-ray, but <laughs> I could not find a clear answer on that one. Mm. Medical professionals, let us know. Right. He does suggest uh, if you want a CAT scan or an MRI you know, for more details. Mm. So there are other ways to do this. But I like that he does this thing where he gets really close to the x-rays. And he blinks a lot when he turns around because he's been up by that bright light. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, that's a cool little character choice that I only noticed because I was rewatching this minute. I never noticed it in the movie before, but it's a nice little quirk that he brings to it. And he does a couple annoying things in this minute as well. He says, no aneurysms, at least none that I can see, Mr. Connors. Of course, if you want to get a CAT scan or an MRI, you're going to have to go into Pittsburgh. I can't go into Pittsburgh. Why can't you go into Pittsburgh? I told you there's a blizzard. And I don't like the delivery on this next line. He's like, oh, right. The blizzard. Like he doesn't believe it. The guy's a weatherman. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, oh, he says it like it's a delusion. Like he says it like I can't go into Pittsburgh is like he just said the sky. It's Western Pennsylvania. They have blizzards, especially in February. Yeah. 
I'm like, cause one weatherman said there wasn't going to be a blizzard. <laughs> like you, all right. Like you can look outside. It's, you know, very cold. It's getting stormy. I don't know. He's like, you know what you may need, Mr. Connors. And this is one of the other things that bugs me in this moment. Not just delivery on the right to blizzard. That one's funny. So it works. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but it's funny. <laughs> Ramus mouths a biopsy as Murray says it. Oh, okay. I did not get to He's that. getting ready for the timing for the joke. And I'm like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> Ramus loves watching this movie over and over. He got a hint of things he really likes is a shot of just two people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he grew up with improv and stuff. He like the conversation is the joke. And so the angles don't matter. It's just we're going to get the two people in the shot and let them talk. <laughs> we're going to have that beat for the punchline. And this is that is he's waiting for that beat. He needs him to say a biopsy so he can pause and say a psychiatrist because that's the joke. And it's a funny joke. But the more I see this one, less I care. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder at this point what their relationship was like, because I know that this movie kind of like for like decades plus. Yeah, this like, was the end made, of their Yeah. Friendship. And so I wonder, you know, this being their only scene together on screen, at what point, like you mentioned, they shot it in rainy days and stuff. So I'm wondering at what point their relationship, how much it had deteriorated, if it started to deteriorate at all. I, you know, I don't know the order of when they filmed a lot of stuff on this. Mm-hmm. I know like how they filmed certain things like this came on a rainy day and how they did some other stuff, even locations of where this set would have been, but the actual timing in the order of the production, I'm not sure, but yeah, this is the movie they were both aside from, they were having personal conflicts over how to present this movie. Also, they were both having relationship problems outside the movie. Mm-hmm. I can't confirm this, but timing wise, it makes sense. Bill Murray was already having an affair. That was going to be part of why the marriage he had at the time ended. Harold Ramos was having problems with his marriage and was going through some depression problems. And after this movie, they didn't talk. Maybe ever. There were a couple news stories that got out where Bill Murray may have talked to Harold Ramos on his deathbed, but I've never seen actual confirmation of that. Hmm. So this might have been just the end of their friendship. It's their conflict over this movie time with bad things going on in their lives. And they never got back, which is sad because they had known each other since the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. And so we go from the punchline. We barely get a glimpse of it as this minute ends. The psychiatrist, who we'll get to next minute, who's specifically described in the script as looking like he has his own problems. (laughs) Is that not good? Yeah. Yeah, you got the director cameo. Yeah. Minute 29. Yeah, really, really great cameo. Even the joke of him, like him thinking he needs a biopsy. Like, Mm. that's not going to help. If you have a brain tumor, this isn't going to fix this situation. It's so interesting because, yeah, this is the point. You Like you said, this is the third day. So this is the point where the second day is like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. And the third day, he's like, okay, I kind of know what's happening, but I don't really believe it yet. So he's still, he he understands it on a, um, you know, a mental level. He like gets it, but he doesn't really know. He's trying to make heads or tails of it and trying to be like, okay, something's wrong here. Something must be wrong with me first. And he hasn't really come to accept it yet. He's come to understand it, but not accept it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's got a little bit of a problem. This wasn't going to be my time loop of the week, but I'll mention it. I rewatched Oculus recently, which isn't quite a time loop movie, but there's time manipulation going on. And in that movie, they have this very specific problem where their reality and the way they see it can be altered Mm -hmm. by the situation. And so they literally would never be able to tell if the alarms actually went off or if their safety measures happened. 
And it's like this, you can't go and get a scan and have that fix this problem. Because if you're hallucinating or have as in the musical, he thinks he maybe had a stroke and forgot the year since last Groundhog Day. It's like you wouldn't be able to know if that isn't working, Mm -hmm. no matter what the doctor said. You you wouldn't even know if the doctor's (laughs) saying it at a certain point if you don't believe reality is real. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's got to go through this day three where he's challenging it. And finally, in a few minutes, he'll get to that point where he's like, oh, wait, I know what I can do with this situation now. Mm. So this is leading us into the plot, which makes sense at minute 29. Coming up on the end of act one. Most of life is just junk, right? It's it's filler. Mm. And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. It's like life's dropping all the bullshit for a second to show us how amazing it could be all the time if it wanted to. Hmm. I don't know. I think maybe we're supposed to become like better people. Though I honestly don't even know how that could be possible. Maybe think about it. We must miss so many of them. All those tiny perfect things are just poof, gone. Lost forever. But not today. That is a disturbingly inspirational idea, Mark. Perfect day. You couldn't plan it like this. Well, you can. It just takes an awful lot of work. Time. 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 The last revision is what counts, apparently. Time. What if we found Time. them all? All the perfect things in this Time. one town, Time. in this one day, we could collect them. Now, your time of the week is. Majora's Mask, right? Majora's Mask. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which I have never played. I did read a little bit about it. Okay. Yeah, so I'm a really big fan of the Zelda series, just in general. They've always been my favorite games, especially when I was younger. I was really big gamer, and Ocarina of Time was a game that, like many people, was just hugely influential to me. And then a couple of years later, they come out with Majora's Mask, which... I liked it at the time, but I didn't really fully appreciate until I got a lot older. It came out when I was like 10, and I didn't really appreciate it until I was probably in my late teens, early 20s. Because so many games, or at least a lot of the games from that era, specifically Ocarina of Time, is so linear. It's so like, here's this plot, here's the story, you kind of go through it. There's some side quests and stuff. But Majora's Mask, since it is that time loop, and for anyone who's not aware, basically, you are Link, you're this character, and the world is about to be destroyed in three days, and you keep having to go back in time to this certain point, the start of the three days, and keep doing it and doing it over and over again until you're able to prevent this catastrophe. But what really speaks to me about the game and it, why it might be, it's probably my favorite video game ever, maybe one of my favorite pieces of just media in general ever, huh. is because it's that same reason that Groundhog's Day is so great, is that in Groundhog Day, his growth comes from interacting with all these other people yeah. and seeing all of their lives and these little plots they do and these little minute details. And I think it's in your intro for one of these shows where it's the two characters they're talking. That's like, we would never have enough time to observe all these little plot details. I'm not sure what movie it's from, but that's how it feels in Majora's Mask because there are all these side characters. There's all these people that have these lives and you can watch them go about their day and see how they do. And it's like, if you do this one thing, 
their day will be changed. And if you do this, it'll be changed. And what I really love about Majora's Mask is since you are playing, you are the point of view. You're not passively observing someone doing this. You can be like, oh, well, if I do this, if I make this decision, it changes everything for this mm-hmm. character. If I do this, their entire life is different. I can get these two lovelorn characters who've been separated back together. But some of the stuff is really interesting because say you do that, you go on that side quest, which is the main side quest of the game. You have to forego doing this other side quest where there's this little lady who gets robbed. You have to like let her get robbed right. in order for this bad guy to get caught. So you have to go back and you have to do all these different things. So you, there are all these really interesting choices and it is really a, a game about free will versus determinism and you decided to do all these things and how does that affect how other people react and just there's so many great interesting stories because the the main plot is pretty cool and interesting and deals with like grief and depression and moving on and friendship and all these great big themes but it is one of the games that is way way more about the side quests and the side characters you can kind of do it in any order that you want more or less. And you can do these things. And if you interact with someone in this way, they'll have this opinion. And if you interact with someone in this way, if you mess up, you can go back and do it a different way. So as soon as I saw that it wasn't covered, I was like, I have to talk about Majora's Mask. I read a thing. I don't know how true this is. You could tell me Mm -hmm. that if you did one of the quests and like help certain characters, when you go the next iteration to do something else, some of the effect you had before is still in place, even though you didn't really do it this time. Basically, the kind of like main bosses and stuff that you beat, they you get things from them. So okay. the only person who really kind of remembers anything you've changed is the banker. Ah. It's kind of like this weird little hitch. And then maybe it's suggesting that there's the quote unquote happy mask salesman who's kind of like the, your guide who kind of sets you off on this thing. He maybe remembers some stuff. So yeah, other than that, though, things, things don't really stick. Mm. So you kind of have to choose. But at the end, you know, it does... One of the moments at the end credits is like, look at all these people you've helped. That's something he brings up is like, yeah, it's all about people. It's all about helping. It's not about this grand epic adventure, like, you know, slaying the the great evil. Even the bad guy is on a certain level, very sympathetic and is kind of a literal puppet for this just malevolent force. Hmm. I find all that really, really cool and interesting. Nice. Now, speaking of video games, if any of my listeners have an Oculus Quest, someone find the game. I believe it was released under the name We Are One. It came out just last year. And it's a time loop game, but you can also clone yourself. So you do part of a puzzle one day, and then you can do the other half of the puzzle the next day. And those two things happen together. So you're kind of doing puzzles Mm. and parts, which sounded awesome, but I'm not going to buy a VR thing just to play (laughs) like one game. Yeah, yeah. My time loop of the week was going to be what I think would be the latest time loop TV show or movie thing, which was oddly an episode of Tales of the Walking Dead. A show that shouldn't have any time loop scenarios going on. Yeah, that's unexpected. <laughs> but the Tales of the Walking Dead is like this was, I think it's going to have six episodes altogether. It's like an anthology set in the world of the Walking Dead. And except for one episode, we don't see characters we've seen before. It's just one offs. And the second episode is called Blair slash Gina is this boss and the secretary at an insurance company right as like the outbreak is starting and their day ends up in a truck exploding that kills them both. And then they're back in the office and they have this antagonistic relationship and it's played as a comedy. Mm. It's a comedy set in the Walking Dead universe. And I loved it because I did not expect a time loop thing. I wasn't ready. I've been taking notes on all the time loop things I rewatched lately for a screenplay thing I'm working on. 
Mm-hmm. And then this one, I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get my notes out yeah. and start writing things down because I didn't expect this show to have a time loop, and it did, and it was hilarious because they just keep getting in each other's way. Then they try to work together, but it fails because they're not good at it because they don't like each other. And it was this weird little buddy comedy that basically takes place over the course of like a couple hours and then repeats and then repeats. Is that the one with Julian Bell in it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I saw a commercial with her, and I was like, oh, okay. Because like I'm really yeah, it's her and Parker Posey. Okay. Cool. Okay, I like both of those yeah. actors a lot. So that's that's because I saw a commercial and I was like, oh, that's Jill Bell from uh, from uh, Workaholics and a bunch of other great stuff. Yeah, I know some people have are apparently not liking Tales of the Walking Dead, but it's kind of mm-hmm. here's a universe you know, here's different genres in it, and I love that. The latest one was like almost film noir. That's I love that kind of thing. And they had one that was like a nature documentarian who's looking at the dead as mm-hmm. things to research. And I love it. Yeah. It's like exactly what that needed after people thinking like the core series is a little tired at this point. And it is. It gets repetitive. Yeah. Very cool. The line you were probably talking about in the sound bites is probably from the map of tiny perfect things. Oh, okay. Okay. Which one of my favorite recent time loop movies. Okay. Very cool. It's about a young man and woman who are both in a time loop and in their little town and they start collecting these specific things they think are perfect. Okay. I need to, I've seen the trailer for that one. I need to check it out. Uh, I think that we kind of, in the previous episode touched on, you know, the free will versus determinism thing. And I think that this movie does kind of have that, some of those same themes because one of the things about free will, it's like, okay, well you're getting affected by these things that happen to you. Whereas this, it's the same things keep happening to him over and over and over and over again. And seeing how, he still is able to grow and change and yeah, change his reactions. Yeah. Nothing about his situation or his environment is changing, but he is incrementally making these decisions that are affecting him. And he's becoming slowly a better person. You're seeing that over the course for us, it's, you know, 60 to 90 minutes of his development, but for him, you know, it's who knows how many years. Right. And I think that is really cool. And I can't remember where I heard it, but someone said once, so it was like, Everyone given enough time would probably become a good person. And I think this is kind of hitting on that. Just like, yeah, we are. Especially if you can't die. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Like you'd either be dead or you'd have to be better because mm -hmm. you'd just be stuck caring and knowing things mm-hmm. about everyone and he and he does it's not like linear where he just gets better and better but he does get worse at certain times uh-huh. but he you see him grow and develop and it's all just internal it's all him because nothing around him is changing and i thought that was really cool yeah and if people want to hear you talk about other movies where can they do that yeah my podcast underrated where we talk about underrated films is on all the podcast apps um so just look up underrated or undercast company because I do a few podcasts under that kind of moniker, me and my friends. So we're on Instagram and all that good stuff. You can find my writing just looking up Derek McDuff on Medium or find some of my stuff on Watch Mojo. I've done freelance for them and a couple other places. But yeah, definitely check out Underrated, where we talk about underrated films. And I'm always looking for other suggestions. So if you guys have any, let me know. And I still haven't put it in the outro. So I'll say in addition to my stuff in the outro, listen to the first syllable on Fridays also where I am slowly piecing together my time loop screenplay, which I haven't even written any of yet because I'm trying to steal things from too many other time loop <laughs> projects deliberately. It's, it's a, it's an homage. It's not stealing if it's, if it's a uh, deliberate. Well, no, that's the, that's the point is if I put in so many that almost every line of dialogue includes some specific line from another movie, it's no longer stealing. It's like, what's that movie where it's just Seth Rogen is in it. Paul, like every single line is just a reference to like <laughs> yeah, some sci-fi exactly. movie. 
but this, I mean, I have a list on IMDb of time loop related. That's TV episodes, movies, or video games. Oh, okay, wow. And that list right now is at 270 something. I have seen almost all of those at least once, and now I'm going through and watching them again and taking notes. That is dedication. That is that is yeah. dedication. <laughs> it's taken a while, but it's fun. Thank you for listening. The Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for Minutia Ex Machina, every Wednesday for more Groundhog Day, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. And you can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search an existential trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at Groundhog Day MXM and on Instagram and Facebook at Groundhog Day Project. This has been a production of Lemming Drop Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. Through time. What is wrong in the end, which never comes? Or which comes again and again? Lap, lap, lapping. Like waves. Since the Big Bang set everything in motion, everything that happens in this universe has to be the way it is. Are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon. Particles unfolding the way they're destined to. How do you sleep at night? You've never seen Groundhog Day? Mm. Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day is not a documentary.